Welcome back, DGI Multiverse. This is DGI Mark, and Charlie is joining me on his lunch break um, at work. We are recording Wednesday at 11 a.m. Uh, we are all over the place schedule-wise right now, but we're trying to do our best to get these issues out to you guys as quickly um, as possible and to keep and maintain our weekly schedule. Yeah, at least at least we're at least we're still getting them out. Right? Yep, yep, we're getting them out. We're just surprise dropping them on you guys. Yeah. Um. So, uh, so speaking of surprises, um, I don't feel like there really was one over the weekend at uh, New Japan's uh, Wrestle Kingdom event, um, Wrestle Kingdom number fifteen. Um, us stateside, uh, if you want to watch it live, you got to stay up till four a.m. to watch it, or you could do what me and Charlie did and just. Watch it in the afternoon and avoid the spoilers. Um, right. I think overall, for a pro- for a wrestling program that unfortunately talent wise is kind of decimated in the sense that a lot of their American based talent cannot make the the trick to Japan currently because of the pandemic. I think the glaring um, example is Moxley. Um, not being able to appear either to to face to face, you know, wrestle Kenta, who's holding that basically the briefcase for his opportunity to wrestle the U.S. heavyweight champion. Um, but at the same time, um, obviously he can't even come like to cut an in person promo. They did do a um, video package for him. He is booked drastically different in new Japan than he is in AEW. Um, I actually kind of prefer his new Japan gimmick a little bit more than his AEW gimmick. Um, but it's, well, I I like, you know, I like how they're like, you know, they're referring to him as the boogeyman and he, you know, he's going to show up, he's going to get you. He's not this like, um, loose cannon, you know, uh, psycho. He's just, He's just some badass that, you know, he shows up, he does what he says he's going to do, and then he just fades back into the background. Yeah. And um, obviously, uh, Girls of Destiny won um, the IWGP tag titles, beating Zack Sabre. Zach, yeah, Zach Saber Jr. and um, Tai Chi, and it's the seventh time is a is a record for the company. Um, so it's interesting to see that Bullet Club now owns both the IWGP tag team heavyweight tag team and light. Um, heavyweight tag team championship records between Grills of Destiny and the Young Bucks. Um, they did that whole thing. At, so, the, so normally they open the show at a giant battle royal. There really has no like consequence, so to speak. Like, there's nothing. There's no result of it. But um, I guess this year be, they were low on talent, so they brought about a, back a bunch of New Japan legends, and you know, obviously, you know, they put people in there that you never thought you would see in there. But we ended up getting Bad Luck Fale, Chase Owens, Bushi, and uh, Toriano uh, um, as the final four men in the New Japan Ram- Rumble, basically, um, which meant they met on night two um, for the King of Pro Wrestling Trophy. Basically, it's like you know, just a trophy for the event. It's, it, there's really no unlike all the other trophies and briefcases and every tournament that new Japan does, there's kind of an outcome to it. There really wasn't one for this King of pro wrestling trophy. Um, Takahashi, um, defeated, um, El Fantasmo from bullet club, um, to earn the right to wrestle for the IWGP junior heavyweight title on night two. Um, 
I think that was the right call because uh, I watched the obviously watched the match night two, and I thought that was actually a pretty decent match. The, the IWGP Junior Heavyweight Title matches are usually pretty good because those guys kind of fly around the ring. Um, uh, Hiroshi Tanahashi beats the Great Okan, which I think they're just putting Tanahashi on the card at this point because of his legend. That's all. I mean, like he's never going to be a main event guy again for them, but he's definitely like their John Cena, and he can still go. He still wrestles pretty well. Um, uh, Kuch, 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 I always fuck his name up. Okada, <laughs> Okada defeated Will Will Osprey, um, and basically a culmination of their pretty much year long rivalry. Um, I thought that was the match of the night, in my opinion. I watched yeah, that, yeah. and then, and then I watched Kota Ibushi, um, Tetsu, and Naito. But we kind, I kind of, we, I think they have set up, they had set Jay White and Kota Ibushi up so dominantly over the last like three or four months with you know Kota winning um the g1 climax and then losing the contract or having it stolen as they kept referring to throughout the event um by jay white i kind of i just thought that you know that was going to happen so the main event was good it's it's a tanahashi or um sorry uh Kota Ibushi um tetsu naito classic it's a great match it doesn't compared to like Okada Omega, you know, Jericho Omega or, you know, whatever, but it does have its, its place in anarchies of, um, Wrestle King, the main events, at least in my opinion, but Okada Osprey was phenomenal because it wasn't the Will Osprey that everybody kind of shits on. Like, yeah, he had his marks and he had his moments where he was, he did his little flip and acrobatic stuff, but a more majority of the match was mat based wrestling hard. Yeah, it was very, it was very uh, strong style. Well, yeah. I, I won't even say strong style, but like, yeah, like you were saying, mat based. It was, yeah. it was a, it was a paced out match, right? It wasn't yeah. just clashes. And Brian Kelly did, Brian Kelly did a tremendous job as well, uh, as well, of highlighting the fact that they were doing, you know, Will Osprey had had changed his offense with this new kingpin type personality that he was running with. So, like I said, very, very, very interesting change of pace. I personally like Will Ospreay in this type of format with the flippy stuff sprinkled in there because it makes him more exciting. He's not doing it all match. And then obviously right. he's put on a ton of weight. He is a believable heavyweight because a lot of people don't know this. Akata is a big fucking dude. And when Osprey was standing next to him, yes, he's shorter, but in size comparison, I mean, he's he was about as as wide and you know and and, and jacked as as Okada was, so he, that that size difference didn't really get lost in the equation there. But uh, definitely for me, I mean, I'm glad you agree with me that that was definitely match of the night for night one. Yeah, and it's not that the main event was bad. The main event was really good. It's just by comparison, yeah. The, the two the the match that stands out more is the. Uh, is the Osprey match. Yeah. So then we, we move the night two. we open with, uh, Yano defeating in a, in a, just a stupid, you know, bad luck folly. Chase Owens basically beat up Bushi to the point that Bushi's unconscious and Yano comes in as Fale and Owens argue who over, over who's going to get the pin and the win. Um, and Yano low blows them both and then pins Bushi. It, just a very filler open, you know, match, whatever. It, it kind of defeated the purpose of the match even needing to be necessary. Um, and then um, we got uh, the IWGP Junior Heavyweight Tag Titles, Kane uh, uh, Moro and um, El Desperado defeated uh, Yado, uh, Wado and Taguchi to retain their Junior Heavyweight Titles. Um, 
Tagachi. So this is this is where I'm going to start. Night two was a lot harder for me to pick a like match of the night. Um, um, Tagachi um, defeated Jeff Cobb to retain the Never Overweight Championship. I thought that match stood, in my opinion, because I, I, I'll admit I have not finished the Jay White Kotobushi match. I hadn't gotten around to finish. I literally got all the way up to that and then had to go to work last night. Um, but I watched the Jeff Cobb um, Tagachi match, and then I watched Sonata defeat Evil. I thought both of those matches from the, the Cobb match in a wrestling standpoint with the Sonata evil match in a storyline standpoint and pushing Sonata into the main event title picture, I think in the long run, because I think beating evil does that for him. I thought both of those matches were really hard matches to beat. And um, Takashi and um, Ishimori from Bullet Club wrestled for the IWGP junior heavyweight title. And I thought that's a good match. Like I said, I, I think it's a, a title that always wrestles well. Um, between the competition, but something about that Jeff Cobb match just felt right. Um, maybe it's because I, it, it's, you know, it's a guy and it's, it's one of the, the few American based wrestlers that was actually wrestling this weekend. But for me, I, that match was good. I mean, just in my opinion, and I obviously still have to watch Kota Ibushi, Jay White. And I heard tremendous things. They went 48 minutes, um, with Jay White coming up short, um, but I think it keeps Jay White hungry and it keep, keeps him in the title picture um, in the immediate future because obviously we have Dominion coming up in a couple months. Um, what, was your, what was your night two match? Uh, it's tough. Uh, just because of the, uh, the, the work that they put into it, I'm, I'm going to have to say it was the main event. Okay. And, and only because they... They told a good story from the beginning. And for those of you listening that aren't New Japan uh, pro wrestling fans, like Japanese wrestling is, is a little bit different. You know, um, the matches tend to go longer. They're, they are telling a story in there. It's not, you know, a roll up of death, you know, two minutes into the match. Yeah. Or where somebody's music hits and that's the end of it. Like they actually wrestle. <laughs> yeah. And uh, yeah, I, I, I mean, I have to give it to them just because of everything that they did throughout the entire match. And the finish was good. Um, and it was, uh, I'm, I'm glad as much as I want Jay White to win, I think that Kota Bushi, you know, retaining on, on night two and uh, running with both the heavyweight and intercontinental championship. I think that that's going to be good. And I mean, eventually they got to, they have to split them. Yes. Somehow they got to split them yeah, up. Yeah, this is ridiculous. Either, right now, either, either split them or combine them at this point and make like a new belt. But my, I, I, I'm, I'm actually, I'm okay and excited for Abushi because he's been chasing the main event like main guy role in new Japan, which feels like two or three years now since Kenny left really. Um, and obviously Kenny kind of passed the torch to Ibushi. Ibushi kind of, you know, had to battle his demons with, you know, Naito and Okada and so on and so forth. And then obviously Jay white is kind of like the, is a, is a wrinkle in, in, in the suit of Koto Ibushi. I don't want to say he's on Jay white, as a wrestler, as a performer, is on the level of Naito and Okada. 
But because he doesn't have like that significant reign, that long standing, I think he's now in the Kota Ibushi role of like at some point it's going to be his time in the sun. But right now it's just it's just not his. Um, um, like I said, I think once this pandemic stuff starts to figure itself out and guys can start to travel back abroad and do the things that they need to do, I think that's when New Japan is going to start picking back up momentum. But until they do that, they have got to keep building their stars inside of New Japan. Sonata needs to now have a great 2021 after beating Evil. I think Sonata has all the tools to be a main event guy. He's got size. He's got athleticism. He's got a he's got a cool little gimmick, the cold skull gimmick. I, th- I think it's a pretty cool thing that he could change up and run with. And and in New Japan, they they're way different than us in the states. They have a lot of like cartoony gimmicks that, that the fans just love over there. You know, they 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 just eat that shit up. Like evil evil comes out, and looks like he's legitimately a grim reaper from Final Fantasy. Like, and the fans love that shit. I'm just really no different than our Undertaker if you think about it. But let's talk about that though, real quick. The fans and how interesting that is with having the Tokyo Dome filled with fans who can't cheer, all they can do is clap or stomp their feet. Yeah. So so in, in, in traditional terms, though, speaking, even pre-COVID, that's kind of the, like, that's the norm. They, they're allowed to clap after the matches. During the matches, if you watch any New Japan Pro, like, wrestling event, yeah, you'll get the fans that are, or, or normal fans, I don't want to say normal fans, but like American fans that are, are making some noise during the matches. But for the most part, there isn't a whole lot of that going on. You know what I mean? They're just not. They're, 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 yeah, but- they're sitting in silence, they're, they're watching their match, and then when the match is over, boom, that's when you get the, the applause and you get the, the adulation, so to speak. But I know what right. you're saying. You're, you're getting at the fact that even, even post-match, there was none of that. Right. Like, it was just, Clap, 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 and that was it. And but yeah. I'm just like, try to pull that off here. Try to pull so, that off in the United States. So the thing is, though, you know, it, it was it was looking pretty bleak up until pretty much admission time. Whether or not Japanese government officials were going to allow fans at the Tokyo Dome for this event, it almost got to a point where they were going to wrestle in an empty Tokyo Dome. Um, but obviously that did not happen. I believe if I'm not mistaken, just from what I was reading, they literally delayed implementing harsher lockdown laws in Japan just so this event could occur. And if you watch the event, the bowl is not filled like it normally is. It was literally just like the floor area. And if you looked at the like stands, as you like watch the show, they were all positioned and spaced apart, so they weren't all on top of one another. But you're also talking about a culture that around this time of year, every year, because they live in such tight quarters and they have such a, a large population, they tend to all be masked up in social distancing and doing the normal stuff that they normally, you know what I mean, that that we're, we're all kind of becoming accustomed to across the the, the, the globe, Japan and, you know, parts of, you know, China and, you know, Korea, they do this pretty much every year. Um, not to the extent, like Charlie said, where they're not even cheering, but you know, but still, I mean, I think the wrestlers appreciate it. Cause that was really, I mean, they've been wrestling in front of fans, but obviously this is their WrestleMania. Just having fans there to watch them perform on the biggest night of the year, I think is what is what drives a lot of these wrestlers. But if you paid attention, the, the ramp was not as grand as it normally is, you know, no, it looked very, it looked 
Yeah, it was it was really plain. Yeah. Um and narrow. Yeah. Yeah, it was super narrow. And there was a couple of spots they did on the ramp and I was like, damn, did he just hit his back on the side of it? Like I'm like, I don't think they really thought that through, but Overall, Wrestle Kingdom, it's New Japan's biggest event of the year. I get, you know, it's definitely worth the watch. It's a long, long two days. Um, best part about New Japan World on Amazon Fire um, Stick is which I watch it on, or even if you use the computer, you can literally select individual matches. So if you only want to watch certain people, you can do that. But I would say pretty much all the matches are pretty, pretty well done. And you get to introduce to some new new wrestlers, sorry, excuse me, that you may have never seen before. So it's definitely worth a watch. I, it's, I think it's like you can get it for like seven bucks a month for the their network. It's super cheap. The, the one other thing I wanted to bring up, I still can't get used to Tama Tonga and his clean shaven. Yeah, I don't know what that's about, but I mean, yeah. I'm, I'm happy the girls of Destiny have the belts back. I think they, the company's in better hands. Th- those belts are in better hands when they're in their, their hands, and obviously this allows Zack Sabre Jr. to now go on like a more singles run. He's another one, man, that just, fuck, he's so good. He's so much fun to watch. Um, But yeah, so Definitely, definitely give Wrestle Kingdom a shot. Um, they have a show on um, Thursday or Friday this week. They do like a f- basically like their Monday Night Raw after after the event, and then I think that kicks off the road to Dominion, if I'm not mistaken. Um, but uh, we're, we're going to move on. Uh, we're going to talk about uh, what's going on as far as AEW's New Year's Smash Night One. Obviously, that was delayed from last week um, for the Brody. Um, Lee tribute show. We're not gonna we're not gonna really cover NXT or the results from last week much. We're gonna kind of focus up on this week because I think last week's Raw, SmackDown, NXT, AEW, they were all kind of blah. They weren't really great. Um, but uh, as far as New Year's Smash Night One, we're getting Kenny versus Ray Phoenix, which has been done a bunch of times in Triple A, um, but this will be one of like. The first real encounters Kenny and Ray Phoenix have. I think if this match does well, as far as like performance wise, I think you're going to see Ray Phoenix get a singles push here soon. Um, they teased it before Pac came back and reformed Death Triangle, but I think it's it's going to happen. Um, they're teasing Moxley's return. Uh, Jericho is going to commentate again, which he did last week. Which Chris Jericho on commentary is awesome. They they threw in Cody versus Matt Seidel, and they've been hyping that up on their road to New Year's Smash for the last week or so. Sting's appearance has been uh, teased. Um, Sheeta versus uh, Abaddon. And then Snoop Dogg will make an appearance because we need that, apparently. Um, the Bucks and SCU versus T, uh, TH2 and the Acclaimed, Hager versus Wardlow, and Darby Allen and Brian Cage's weigh in for next week's TNT title match. Um, so that's a whole lot happening on AEW. Um, what are you? What are you? Are you looking forward to anything in particular? Or is there? I mean, obviously, other than I think Kenny and Ray's kind of given. Yeah. Um, no, I mean, here's my thing. I like. I. I want to see guys like FTR, um, you know, be featured heavily. Well, they're they're next week. They're wrestling yeah, next I week. I know, I know. But like, if you're gonna have a pay per view esque uh, show, yeah, like these are guys, like those are guys that need to be on it, right? And I feel like they're just getting kind of pushed to the 
to the side. And I get it. Like you want the bucks to have their thing. You want the acclaim to have their thing, but I'm a, I've, I've always been a big supporter of the revival. So like when they're left off, like, I feel like they're, they're missing the boat just like WWE did when they got called up to the main roster. Yeah. But I don't think, uh, I don't think that's necessarily the issue with it. I mean, they're wrestling, they're wrestling next week. I mean, they're, they're going to wrestle, uh, um, Lucha Express. Um, or sorry, uh, Jurassic Express. <laughs> I'm thinking Lucha House Party. Uh, Jurassic Express. Um, and they're still the number one contenders for the AEW tag team titles, I believe. Um, so it's not one of those things where I really think they're not getting their shine. They're, they're an attraction. I mean, they're, 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 I mean, they're, unfortunately they're booking them like they probably should where they, they occasionally they'll pick up a TV match, but it's not like every week they're wrestling. Would I prefer to see FTR wrestle every single week? Sure. Absolutely. But we got to remember, there's also a period of time there where the Bucks didn't wrestle at all on television. And now this will be the third straight week that the Bucks wrestle on TV. So it's kind of almost like they're not trying to dilute the water too much by giving us too much of the Young Bucks or too much of FTR. Shit, we haven't seen the fucking Lucha Bros in a legitimate tag match in, what, months? I mean, there's a bunch. Their tag team division is so stacked that I think it's really tough for us or for even for them to really book everybody every single week. You know what I mean? You're going to have to have some sort of like revolving door of like, okay, well, you're going to get two, two or three weeks. You're going to get two or three weeks. You're going to get two or three weeks. I think they kind of, I hate to say this, but they're benefiting from injuries of um, Trent Beretta right now by not having to worry about booking the, the best friends right now. Um, it appears that Private Party and Matt Hardy are on a uh, that rhymed um, on a war path to end up splitting up and having some sort of division amongst them. So that doesn't look like that's going to be an issue as far as tag teams go. Um, it looks like SCU might be on the verge of breaking up, if I'm not mistaken. Obviously, we haven't seen Scorpio Sky with SCU in months. It seems like. Um, and Christopher Daniels and obviously Frankie Gazarian kind of went at each other last or two weeks ago when they lost to the acclaimed. Uh, the tag division for them is it, it's a beautiful curse right now, right? Where the WWE is a fucking absolute train wreck when it comes to their tag division. At the very least, AEW has a tag division that they have so much fucking talent right now, they have no idea what to do with it. Like, I mean, we could be in a much worse spot than we are. Um, right. Do I agree that maybe night one you would have featured FTR versus Jurassic Express instead of Bucks SU versus Acclaimed to, to um, TH2? Sure, maybe. But the Bucks are the tag team champions. So if they're going to put two titles on, really they're putting three titles on this week and then obviously the TNT title next week for night two. I don't really mind that. Um, but like you said, I, I mean... It, <laughs> Really, it's your it's 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 your flavor. What, what kind of flavor ice cream you want? Right. You know what I mean. Do you want do you want chocolate or you want strawberry? Like, wh- where are we going with this? Um, I think. If, no, I mean, I, I'm looking forward to it. You know, I'm still looking forward to it. Uh, you know, I'll definitely watch it. Yeah. You know, obviously, we'll have to give our our takes on it. But um, no, there isn't anything like specific where I'm like I am most excited about that match. I think one match that one match that has me intrigued is Hager Wardlow. I'm very interested to see how the two big men 
work in the ring together because it's tough sometimes when you get two monsters in the ring for them to put on a decent match. So I think that that one has my interest peaked. Obviously Cody Seidel is one that doesn't make sense on paper. Cause like apparently now they're trying to play up that they're rivals or whatever, but at the same time, you, you know, those two guys are tremendous competitors and, and entertainers. So they'll go out and put on a decent match in my opinion. But I think my, between the two match, the two matches I'm most looking forward to today is Kenny Phoenix, obviously, and then Hager Wardlow, just because I'm interested to see how those two two guys mesh. Um, obviously, Kenny wins, in my opinion. Uh, Phoenix ain't taking yeah, it off from Kenny. There's no, there's no doubt about that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so we'll move on to NXT uh, New Year's Evil preview. Um, correct me if I'm wrong, but apparently this is the card tonight. We get NXT champion... Finn Balor versus Kyler Riley. We know that. Karrion Cross and Damian Priest. Yep. A fight pit match between Tommaso Ciampa and Timothy Thatcher. Last woman standing between Rhea Ripley and Raquel Gonzalez. And then NXT Cruiserweight title on the line by, for Santos Escobar versus Grand Met League. Is there anything that I missed? Excuse me. Um, I'm just I'm just checking, making sure they didn't leave. They didn't do anything. Yeah, I don't think Irishai does not have a match tonight. No. Okay, so so that's our match card. That's our our, our, our our match card. So obviously, once again, main event, super interested in it. First match was phenomenal between the two guys. Hopefully, nobody gets hurt this time. That's the big thing. I don't want to see anybody get hurt. If they even if they had to take it down half a notch to make sure that doesn't happen, I'm okay with that because full tilt last time was just an absolute car wreck, a beautiful car wreck in front of us. But that car wreck obviously cost Balor for about a month. I don't need that. I don't need that in in our life right now. Um, I hate to say this, but it's kind of obvious that Karrion Cross is going to go over Damian Priest because Cross is Cross is on a, a war path right back to the main event title picture. Yeah. Um, I'm super interested in the fight pit match. I'm assuming it's going to be very much like uh, WWE Raw Underground. But the two guys that are wrestling in it are much more interesting than anybody that was ever on underground. <laughs> right. Um, yeah. Good. Yeah, I was gonna say I I think that that'll uh, I think we're gonna see some uh, definitely hard hitting stuff like you know well Thatcher's got his uh, his his holds and his grips and everything but yeah. I think this is gonna be a just straight up brawl. Right? Yeah, I You're think gonna it's gonna be a, I think it's gonna be more of a cinematic style match where. It's going to be very because they've been doing they've been doing those montages with the um, I forget their name like the triad like group they're trying to put together with the uh, with the Asian um, oh, faction. Uh, Boa Lee and or Lee and uh, is it Boa? It's, it's just Boa, right? Boa. Yeah, yeah, and and like I mean they beat the shit out. I mean cinematographically they are beating the shit out of each other in these prom in these like vignettes but it looks good like it's shot well like I, i'll give wwe credit their cinema cinematographic production is movie i mean obviously they own a movie studio so like they can bring right. some of that 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 technology and that ability into their weekly television and when they do it it looks really good um, but I think you're going to see some of that with this Chompa Thatcher match. And I think these guys are really going to hopefully this is one of those matches. Like you go into with some expectation of like, this, this could be different. could be cool. And then when you come out of it, you're like, Holy shit, that was awesome. Cause NXT's done a really good job with cinematographic matches. So if they can do that with this match, I think it would add a, a layer of, of, of spice, so to speak to this match. 
Yeah, I think that this that match and uh, the Balor O'Reilly match, those are going to be the top two. I think <sighs> that Thatcher and Ciampa have the opportunity to uh, to steal the show, but but they also but they also have an opportunity to be at the very bottom of the card. Too, because it's like one of those things like some setting graphic matches work really well and some don't. I was not a big fan of the culmination of Johnny Wrestling and Tomasa Ciampa with the with like the empty arena match at the beginning of like yeah. in and of itself. It's not a bad match like they, it was kind of cool to see because it was the first one NXT did. But the matches have gotten so much better with their 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 cinematic matches that that match just looks so bare bones and minimum. Um, yeah, I'm not gonna hold that against them though. I mean, only because like they had to find their footing. Yeah. Like, I, I, I'll say this, and a lot of people might disagree with me, but I'd rather watch that than the Undertaker AJ Styles match. Yes. From WrestleMania. I agree. Um, the last woman standing match has number two match written all over for me. I have been waiting for these two to go at it. I'm a huge Rhea Ripley guy. I am. Almost 100% convinced she's going to win the Women's Royal Rumble this year. Just because I think Raquel Gonzalez is going to win tonight. I do. But I think it's going to be one of those like knockout, dragout brawl matches where they both look amazing coming out of it. And it's going to push Rhea into a different level. Because I hate to say this right now, there is nobody, and I mean absolutely nobody, that you could be like, all right, they're going to beat Asuka for the world title at WrestleMania. Right. They're just not. I would prefer to see Oscar, you know, Rhea Ripley come in when Ripley take the, the belt from Oscar. Charlotte can then feud with Ripley. I don't mind that because I don't like this idea of like Charlotte turning on Oscar at some point when they're tag champions. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's, it's almost well, but then again, it's WWE. I was about to say it's too predictable, but yeah, well, we'll see. It, oh, it, it's only a matter of time before that happens, but Charlotte doesn't need that right now. And I, I we don't need her chasing Oscar and the, the women's championship. Like let her get into some other feud, which it looks like maybe that's what they're setting up with. Maybe like a Lacey Evans, Charlotte feud that. Yeah. They know, tried that. They, I mean, they tried that once and it was terrible. <laughs> yeah. I know. And so maybe, maybe this is like a, Hey, let's go back to it and, and see what we can, uh, get out of it. We can salvage. And, and here's, here's, here's what makes wrestlers, uh, at least in my opinion, what makes wrestlers good, right? Is look at how many feuds they had that are worth talking about. Yeah. Right. Like, 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 uh, you know, John Cena has plenty and, you know, Cena for what he is, you know, he, he was the, the superstar that came up, in the time that he did, so you have to give him credit where credit is due. Um, so, but look at how many feuds he had. He had, you know, obviously him and Orton, him and Batista, him and Triple H, him and Shawn Michaels. You know, like you know, the, you can you can basically think of anybody from the the ruthless aggression era, and Cena's right there with him. Yeah. Um, look, Charlotte has a you know a nice list of. Uh, her feud with Natalia, her feud with the the other women of, of the uh, four horse women, her her feud with Oscar. Uh, uh, but what does Lacey Evans have? Yeah, that's true. I mean, to her, she, she to her credit, she's got what a feud with Becky. 
in Charlotte, really. That's it. Yeah. I mean, she does. So, let, you know, let's see if she can go and and put on some good matches. You know, she's had time to develop even more. And she's she's a woman that I want to see do well. Yeah, she's um, got the look, she's got the character, she's got she's got things that you you like about her. You just you want to see a consistent level of booking for her before you start to buy into her as a character. Right. Um but okay, look, we 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 dive, we're we're gonna get into that in a little bit when we talk raw. Um, NXT Cruiserweight Championship match, Santo Escobar, Graham Metalik. Not that I'm not interested in it, but I think the last like what like month or so, there's been a lot of solid cruiserweight wrestling on NXT, and obviously they're bringing Lucha House Party back to NXT because they're not really getting the shine that they need on the main roster. Moving them back down to the cruiserweight division makes sense to me. When I'm very Surprise though is with the Lucha House Party like whole thing. Uh what's his name? What's the, who's the guy that was with Sincara for the longest time? Oh, uh Hunico. Or uh not Hunico. Hunico is uh, is is Hunico was Sincara. Yeah. Um I can't, I can't remember his fucking name. That's the problem because he was the leader of Lucha House Party at one point. Jeez, <laughs> uh, 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 why am I blanking on this? Yeah, I, uh, I, Kalisto. I Kalisto. Okay, yeah. Why is Kalisto? First of all, I know they split him up because they put Kalisto one on SmackDown and they put Lucha House Party on Raw. But my thing, and they had that like little back and forth tit for tat thing for like a week or two where Kalisto was pissing, I think, Grimmetta Leak off and like whatever. But to be, if I'm going to be 100 percent honest with you, I think Kalisto is probably a, a, a step a, above, like a level as far as character and at least branding goes, than Grand Metal League. So my thought process is, if you were going to bring a luchador back down to wrestle Escobar, who also is a luchador, obviously, but of the highest caliber in my opinion, he's he's one of the best wrestlers in NXT, and he's got a great character. I love that that stable that they have, but. I just don't think Grand Metalik interests me. Like Kalisto might have, because you could you could have played up like he's the old guard as far as Lucha Libre goes at the moment. Other than obvious, the obvious, the Godfather that that is is Rey Mysterio. But you know you could have, and this could put Kalisto in a prominent spot on a major NXT card. But they didn't. They put Grand Metalik. Whatever it is, what it is. I'm not I'm not too super stressed about it. But also, what yeah. mind? What about like Drew Gulak? Or somebody, you know what I mean? There's there's tons of guys that could come out and wrestle in this match that I think that are getting kind of overlooked. But, I mean, that's the Cruiserweight title for you for WWE. They don't really take it serious. Um, nope. They did for about 30 seconds. Yeah. Um, so, uh, I think that gives us your preview. Uh, your, your match of the night, obviously, I think we both agree, will be the main event. You think Thatcher and... and uh, Champa, I think Gonzalez Ripley. We'll see who's right next week. Um, yeah. So uh, let's talk Raw because obviously we this is this is this is a continuing pattern for us for the last two or three issue um, inside the ropes issues um, where we've been talking about the change. The ratings are low. We're going to give you what you want. The classic Vince trope that he does every year right before WrestleMania season because he wants casual viewers and diehard fans to buy back into the product before their biggest show of the year where all their investors turn their eyes to once a year. So Monday night, 
was the, I guess, the first step in that. They brought the casual viewers back, right? They did Legends Night. Several yeah. WWE Hall of Famers appeared throughout the night. But it seemed like they really scraped the bottom of the fucking barrel for who they could get. And I'm not, trust me, I'm going to rattle off the names here. And I love every single one of these people. They are nostalgic. They are legends in their right. They contributed to this business in ways that are unimaginable to just us as the casual fan. But not all of them are at the same token level. And I'm going to name them off, and I think the in the in the order they should be is of importance, okay? And tell me if I'm wrong. Hulk Hogan, Ric Flair. Let's go Ron Simmons, Booker T, Mark Henry, Big Show, Tatanka, Teddy Long, Jimmy Hart. Did I say Mark Henry? I did, didn't I? Yeah. Uh, Molly Holly, Molina, IRS, The Boogeyman, Jeff Jarrett, Sergeant Slaughter. And then this is where you get this is where you get to the cream of the crop. IRS. I'll, I'll keep him. He's above. He's above the cutoff line for me. IRS. Then you get uh, you know, Alicia Fox, Tori Wilson, and Goldberg. Because I'm going to put him squarely in that category, and we're going to get to that reason why. Yeah, I, I put Alicia Fox and Goldberg in the same category as far as in-ring talent goes. Yeah, I put, and I put Tori Wilson because she's she just she was never to me a great in-ring product. She was just really really nice to look at, and mm-hmm. whatever. But that was our legends. That's who we got. That's who we got throughout the night. Completely in in the fucking. I know, I- and no Carlito, which she was advertised. I was I was looking forward to seeing Carlito. Yeah. So I, somebody raised a good point that they think he's going to have a very MVP-like return where he's going to come back and potentially either get into the Royal Rumble, make a couple appearances if there's a big enough reaction to his return in the Rumble. He may find himself being employed moving forward. At least that's what I read online, um, the la- you know, in the last day or two. Um However, the fucking segments throughout this show were so fucking god-awful and awkward. Oh, shoot. You forgot Mickey James. Well, I didn't, I didn't include her because she's an active fucking wrestler who's getting actively disrespected, which we will also... Uh, uh, so let's dive into that. So Ryan Satan, who is a, a very well-known, you know, the professional wrestler, wrestling reporter and he works now for the the WWE basically doing like their own version of a dirt sheet which is kind of interesting that a dirt sheet guy is whatever so he did a tier system for like wrestlers in WWE and basically gave his I'm assuming honest opinion because I can't imagine the WWE wanted this type of shit to get out because it's already causing a public disturbance he he went from A to F. He put Mickey James in the F category. I'm like, she is a fucking Hall of Famer. This isn't a debatable thing for me. Mickey James had one of the most decorated careers in a period of time where women's wrestling was not taken serious. Did she come on the scene with a weird character? Sure. She was insanely obsessed with Trish Stratus. But that led to a, a tremendous couple feuds with Trish 
in great matches and title wins. And she's obviously been a steward of women's wrestling for the better part of the last decade and a half, wherever she's went post-WWE. She is not an F. You put her b- below Nia Jax? You put her below Billy, no offense, Billy Kay? Right. Like, are you fucking kidding me? Like, yep. And and this isn't even me being a Mickey James fanboy because I'm really not. When she came back, I didn't have this massive fucking pop. Like it wasn't like, oh my god, it's Mickey James. I'm like, oh, it's cool, Mickey James is back. Right. But that is fucking disrespectful. And she tweeted about it. She said, "Are you like basically? Are you fucking kidding me?" And people thought she was like just playing the role. But no, she was genuinely upset. And then they do fucking Legends Night and they throw her out there on the stage for the main event. Like she's some geriatric. No offense to the rest of the guys that were out there and gals that were out there. But you're like, are you fucking? She's a part of your active roster. Yeah, she's not she's a, still here. There's yeah, like, she's she's not a I fucking. Guess, I mean, it's technically Big Show is too, but whatever. But yeah. so, like I said, most of the segments were awkward. Uh, I'm looking at one now. Tori Wilson, Angel Garza's segment was stupid. She sends them off to go after celebrities that you definitely know aren't fucking at Monday Night Raw. Um, then you got the interaction between Gold, uh, Hulk Hogan, Jimmy Hart, Drew McIntyre, and uh, Sheamus, which I thought was okay. It wasn't terrible as some of the other ones were, but nonetheless, they were still pretty bad. I thought the Mark Henry, Randy Orton one was cool, but it was like <laughs> it was like the keyboard warrior version of the Legend Killer on Monday Night. He just walked up to all the old people and was like, yeah, I'm going to beat your ass if you don't get out of here. <laughs> right. You better roll out of here, Mark. Oh, Big, right. oh, big Show, I know your, your, your palm is as big as my face, but you know what? You better get out of here. Like, are you fucking serious? Like, that was, that was, and it's funny though, because Randy did that shit to everybody. He went up to like every legend he's ever had an issue with, and pretty much the legends that took him out when he wrestled Edge. But he walks up to these fucking legends and he's like making these comments throughout the night. And then this leads us to our main event. We're fucking goal. We're, we're Drew McIntyre goes over Keith Lee, which does not surprise me in the least, but people thinking that Keith Lee had a fucking shot in hell really need to start paying attention to the product better and reading, reading the fucking room, so to speak. If you haven't realized yet that Keith Lee is in his spot where he is at because Vince McMahon has an infatuation with riding the wave of political correctness, you need to start getting your head out of your ass. And I'm not saying this because I think Keith Lee is playing a part in this. I think Keith Lee is making the most of the situation that he is in. And I think Keith Lee is is going to continue to get main event spots, but he's never going to capitalize. They just made it seem like they fucking broke the internet by putting the IC title on Big E after seven fucking years, after basically making all of us think that he was ready for a solid singles run in the main event picture. Like, Big E probably should be our Royal Rumble winner, go to WrestleMania and take the belt off of Roman main event level, but he's not going to be now. They put the IC title on him to qual this Big E needs a singles run. That's why they did that. And if fans haven't seen that shit by now or figured that out, that's the problem with political correctness. And the issue that you're going to have with Keith Lee is, is he cannot continue to lose title opportunities. It's going to hurt his character in the long run. He's becoming less believable as a dominant force. 
And you know, the only way to come back from that is being a heel. And unless you want to turn Keith Lee heel, he's going to be a baby face that gets buried. That's all he's going to be. Yeah. Which I, you know, Keith Lee can be a good heel. He's, oh, he could know, be, he, he could be a tremendous. He doesn't, have to change, he doesn't have to change much. Uh, you know, he's, just, he's a powerhouse. That just join her business. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. Her business is the best uh, thing on Monday night raw. I watched yeah. watch both of them those matches. That's all I needed to watch wrestling wise for Monday night. Um, but like I said, Drew goes over Keith, and I didn't know if Bill. I don't think Bill was advertised, and I'm calling him Bill. I'm not calling. That's not Goldberg that we're watching nowadays. That's Bill, um, um, Billy Boy, Billy Bob, Billy whatever. That is not Goldberg. So Bill comes out to the ring and confronts Drew McIntyre and cuts this fucking wonky promo about you didn't mean what you said to the legend you're fake you're dead and you're like what the fuck is he talking about it was literally like listening to your your drunk uncle at the barbecue when he's seven you know bud heavies deep and you're like what the fuck are you talking about nobody said that yeah he was literally just cutting a promo with hulk hogan like an hour ago, like he, just, he didn't disrespect anybody. He what just, are you talking? About? He just flexed with Hulk Hogan. Uh, we, we, I was watching that like just fucking flabbergasted. I'm like, did I miss a fucking segment? I rewinded. I'm like, no, there was no promo. And then obviously, I sent you that photo that basically there was supposed to be a promo prior to the match, but because of timing. It, it was messed up, so they cut the promo and they went into the match, and the match was altered to shorten it a little bit so they could get to the finish, which would allow Bill to come out and confront Drew. And then, you know, Bill was supposed to push Drew, and Drew was supposed to get up and hit him with a Glasgow kiss, which he did do, but it was done off air because they hit that hard fucking 11 p.m. cut, and you didn't see past the push. So they effectively buried their fucking champion with a fucking 50. He's probably got to at least be fucking 60 at this point. Fucking late 50 year old geriatric fuck who can't go more than five. Dude, I, I might dislike Bill Goldberg more than I dislike Bret Hart. And I'm figuring this out at this very moment. Like I am, it, it, it is now we're about an almost an hour into this show and I, I have not been to sleep yet, and I've been so fucking fired up to talk about Monday Night Raw and how fucking terrible this booking is for the last two days. Like, I'm getting excited. Like, I'm, I'm waking back up right now. I, yeah. fucking, I fucking hate Bill Goldberg. I, did, I looked up the Fiend's match against him at Super Showdown. He wrestled for three fucking minutes. I looked up his his WrestleMania match. He wrestled for four like 30. I looked up his other match. This dude doesn't go past five fucking minutes. And they keep bringing him back. He is not a fucking draw. You want to draw? Go get me CM Punk. Go get me fucking Stone Cold one more time. Fuck, I will take The Rock for the thousandth time coming back. You know who I would have preferred to see walk out last night and challenge fucking Drew McIntyre? Fucking Hunter at this point. Jesus Christ, Bill Goldberg's fucking terrible. Uh, you, John, John Cena. Anybody. Okay, John, 
Yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. I, I'm, I'm, I'm running down the list of legends. Dude, that Hulk Hogan, Hulk Hogan could have jogged down to the ring and challenged him. And I would have been more interested than fucking Goldberg. And I don't care if you're a Goldberg fan and you never listen to this show again because of this fucking rant. Cause I, you know, we, you know, we, I got about 13 more minutes before we hit the hour mark here. I could 13 more <laughs> minutes about how fucking bad this decision is, but Let's talk about how we can salvage this fucking absolute astronaut level fucking spaceship crashing to the fucking ground event. Drew loses the belt at the Rumble. It's happening. Accept it as a fan. It's happening. He's not, he is 100% not beating Bill Goldberg. Goldberg is going to win the belt at the Rumble. And hear, hear me out because I, I, I did a video on this earlier. Bill Goldberg is going to win the belt so the Fiend can beat him at WrestleMania. And hear me out. And we'll dive into this a little bit. The Fiend character for the last year has been righting the wrongs of the Bray Wyatt character. He beat John Cena. He's beaten Roman Reigns. He's beaten Seth Rollins. He's beaten Randy Orton and Braun Strowman. He's going to go over Randy at the Rumble. They're going to have a rubber match. He's going to beat Randy at the Rumble. So that's five feuds that he has had where he's lost those feuds and been buried or put over the other guy as Bray Wyatt. But as the Fiend, ultimately, he might lose a match here or there as the Fiend. But it's usually in like controversial fashion. And he ends up going over in the rubber match or in the final match. I think that's what's going to happen here with Bill Goldberg. Bill beat him back at Super Showdown in three minutes. I looked it up. It's fucking, it, it's fucking pathetic. It's like two minutes and 56 seconds for the Universal title. And The Fiend never got a rematch for it. He was sent like to the fucking, you know, basically to the hills and we never saw from him again. I think Bill Goldberg takes the belt from Drew because we know Vince has an infatuation with putting the belt on people that he thinks casual viewers want to watch. He can't put it on Taker because Taker's gone. Can't put it on Cena or The Rock because they're busy. Stone Cold ain't coming back. You're definitely, unless you're paying CM Punk like $10 million, he ain't coming back. Jericho's an AEW handling business. Moxley's gone. And he's already got the other belt on Roman, right? So you got to put it on somebody. It's either Lesnar or Goldberg. And I don't think Lesnar currently is signed with WWE, if I'm, if I'm not mistaken. He might be. I don't know. But no, uh, they, I think he, they're wait, I think he's waiting until after the pandemic. Yeah, and then he'll he'll come back. So my thing is though, don't get me wrong. Lesnar could return at the Rumble and win the Rumble, and go to Mania and either face Roman or face Drew or face Bill or whoever the fuck has the the, the WWE title belt at that time. But my my for me logically, if you're going to book. Bill Goldberg as a champion going into WrestleMania season because you want to ca- attract casual viewership that would then obviously put over Roman. Roman is going to main event WrestleMania no matter who wins the Rumble. Roman is the hottest thing in WWE right now, and he needs to stay that way. So I think WWE puts the belt on Bill Goldberg. And notice I, I will continue to call him Bill Goldberg because that's he's Bill. He's not Goldberg. When he gets the belt because they think that's going to attract people to watch this show or watch WrestleMania or watch Raw or whatever moving forward. They think this is the Joel. This is Vince McMahon thinking he knows what to do to fix the ratings. His fucking solution was not to push talent he currently has in the company 
but to bring in a geriatric fuck who can't wrestle for more than five minutes. If you don't think Vince McMahon thinks we're the stupidest fucking people in the fucking planet, we are all sadly mistaken. <laughs> this is the well, same same regurgitated shit he does. He's literally done the last three years. But here's here's the part of, of, of it that, that sucks, man, is that we're still gonna watch. Yes. Oh, I'm 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 I am that's that fucking stupid apparently because I'm going to watch. This is a fucking train wreck that I cannot look away from. Like that's what this is. It's a fucking train wreck. I can't look away from at this point because they're booking so poorly, and I and I feel bad for Drew. Because Raw is just abysmal. It's fucking abysmal to watch in general. It has nothing to do with Drew McIntyre. It sucks to sit through three hours of mundane. And Drew is really usually one of the bright spots. And he's a wrestling champion. He goes out and wrestles week in and week out. It's very few weeks where he doesn't lace up the boots and come out and have a match. Whether it's a tag match or a six-man match or even a singles match. And he's put the belt on the line more than any fucking champion on, in company history, I think, on free television at this point, he, he's up to, what, three title defenses on TV? Or at least three title matches on TV? Something so, like that, yeah. Yeah, like, this blew my mind. Between the shitty promo, the confusing fucking dialogue, and the fact that it's Bill fucking Goldberg again on my television screen, I'm just so beyond myself. The only way I see this being redeemed is if The Fiend gets the win challenges Bill and takes the belt from him. And from the Rumble to SummerSlam, Drew McIntyre has to go on a fucking rampage and beat the Fiend and basically vanquish the monster and get the belt back. Because I'm thinking... The, go ahead. The, the, the problem is is that they've, they've put the Fiend in this face role. And for now. Yeah, I get it for now, but... Uh, could you turn Drew I mean, heel? I don't know. I don't know what you I think do. you could. But the thing is is that the Fiend has such a such a pliable character though. He could be a heel, he could be a face right now because he's facing Randy Orton. But when Bill gets the belt, as long as Bill play cuz that's what they tried to do on Monday night. They tried to make Drew McIntyre the heel. That's exactly what they were doing with that shitty dialogue. And it makes sense now. That maybe Drew was supposed to deliver, to deliver a promo that didn't seem heartfelt when he was talking about legends and, and the people on the stage. That would have played into Drew being more of heelish, so to speak, and makes Goldberg look like the the avenging old guy who's coming to fight one more fight. Whatever. Yeah, we don't it. need that though because I never wanted a Goldberg match, <laughs> so I don't want this Goldberg match. I didn't mind his first initial run when he came back. Yes, was it super squashy and in like over gushy and mushy? Sure, but it was kind of cool. I was at that mania. It is what it is. But dude, when I fucking tell you, and when I mean I tell you. They booked his ass at the next mania. I all but lost my fucking mind knowing that I bought tickets to two straight fucking WrestleManias that Bill Goldberg was going to be a part of the main event. 
I was so I, I, fucking mad because that that's what happened. Like, I'm like, are you fucking kidding me? I'm like, Bill Goldberg is going to, I'm going to watch Bill Goldberg wrestle at two WrestleManias. And some people might love, love that idea. They'd be like, oh my God, I would love to see him wrestle. Yeah, you would have loved to see him wrestle when he was like 138 no or whatever the fuck he was. Not this fucking version of Goldberg. Dude, that match in Orlando against him and Lesnar was so fucking comically bad. It's it's unbelievable. And then obviously he almost killed the fucking Undertaker in Saudi Arabia. Like, there's so much that's just wrong. Just so much wrong with him being in the ring and competing. And it's well, funny. And I, I, and I know you don't like I know you don't like Brett, but Bill Goldberg, the reason that Brett Hart yeah. can't wrestle anymore. Yeah. Right. But you but you know, people talk shit about AEW signing Jericho or signing even signing Sting. Well, Sting's not wrestling. And he's not definitely not in the fucking AEW title picture. Jericho, yeah, he's in the title picture, but Jericho can fucking go still. He can still put on a four or five star match for you if you need him to. Like, but Jericho's clearly doing a better job of putting younger talent over in AEW because he had a guy whose literal fucking like shtick is he puts his hands in his pocket and wrestles at twenty percent. He had that guy as like one of the biggest draws in the company for a, a month or two, like. Yeah. It's just, dude, I, I, I'm so fucking beyond for me as a, as a wrestling fan, this frustrates me because the business seems to be going backwards or at least WWE is taking a step backwards before they try to fix whatever is in front of them. And it's funny because Mustafa Ali, he cut a promo on talking raw or whatever raw talk, the thing that they do on the network afterwards, where he basically said everything I just said. That whole show was a waste of fucking time. You don't need to bring all these these old guys and legends back to get viewership. Just book the guys you have. And he called it out. He's like, why are we not giving guys like Drew Gulak, myself, um, and he named like three or four other people, and he obviously named Retribution because he's a part of that group, but he named his group, and he's like, why are we not getting television time, but you're giving it to legends? People who don't get in the ring week in and week out and put in the work that like we do, but we get, we are the ones that are sacrificing TV time for the sake of nostalgia. And it was a very raw, like almost like the Miz thing he did on talking smack or even I would equate that to almost literally like pipe bomb level for CM Punk. Not, not quite as historical. Cause it, obviously that was in front of a, a, a live crowd and was a, a off the hip shoot type, you know, situation, but you could tell Charlie Caruso, when he started kind of going in, cause he started getting a little more agitated as he was talking she was getting uncomfortable. She was like looking, like looking around, like looking for somebody to either like cut it off or tell us like to give her a wrap it up or move it on sign. Like you could tell she was getting a little hot under the collar with the comments that Mustafa Ali was making. But dude, he's got a fucking point, man. You have the in-house talent currently to put on great Raws and Smackdowns every week and they're just not doing it. They're relying on old stuff that doesn't work. And, like, what's it going to take? Is it going to take, like, massive viewership jumps to AEW or other wrestling programs in the country or out of the country for them to realize, like, well, maybe they like that style of formatting, so let's try and redo what we do here. I just don't understand how we're so different from Monday to Wednesday to Friday in this company. Like, Mondays and Fridays are booked so different, and, and, and Wednesdays are booked completely different than both of those. It's just frustrating. And as a wrestling fan, we sit back and we look at this week in and week out and we wait for a change to happen. And it just doesn't. 
and it just doesn't. And I'm not saying that AEW is the solution or Impact or New Japan or any of these other companies are the solution. But something different at this point is, is, is just more appealing. It's just more appealing. Until WWE figures out what they're doing or what actually works for them, all the other stuff that's around it has more appeal to it to me, just in my opinion. Um, yeah, I mean, it, it, we've we've said it, uh, I think, a thousand times at this point, right? Long-term booking, it goes a long way. Yeah. And, and you can see it on Mondays and Fridays that there is no long-term booking. No. Um, and, and that's what makes for these really choppy, just poorly constructed shows. And it, it, I'm not even going to blame necessarily the writers or, or anything like that, because ultimately it all falls back on what Vince wants. Yeah. Which is, I, I get it, man. Like, look, Vince McMahon is, is the reason that wrestling is what it is. Exactly. Um, and it, it's just it's frustrating because somebody that you have so much respect for and appreciate everything that he's done and it's like every time we're sitting here and we're saying well this sucks and this sucks and this sucks it's like i'm not trying to you know sit here and go Vincent Mann sucks and doesn't know what he's doing but <laughs> but sometimes the business in the world around you passes you by when you're not paying attention to your surroundings. And for the longest time, nobody's ever threatened Vince McMahon in the WWE's way of life and not saying that anybody is currently doing that. I am not saying that AEW is on the same level, even remotely with the WWE when it comes to fan base and loyalty, but it's just like football, right? You go through eras of football. We went through an era where there was no forward fucking pass and the coaches of that era are, are heralded as some of the greatest football minds of all time. But then guess what? The next era came along, the forward pass era. And then the forward at, forward pass era turned into like the greatest show on turf era. And then the greatest show on turf era has now turned into the, the triple option and spread offense. And now the air raid and all the, you know, it evolves. We went from football games were literally like seven to six slugfests in the middle of a fucking, you know, muddy puddle somewhere but the nfl and professional football as a whole or football in general as a whole has evolved to a game where we're scoring you know some college teams are scoring 100 points a game it the game fucking evolves with what people are interested in when people are interested in guys going out and slaughtering themselves they didn't care about helmet to helmet contact and and hits after the play and the quarterback getting landed on and stuff but when people wanted to see a lot of points scored cuz shit touchdowns are exciting that's when yeah. the NFL started protecting players and protecting skill guys and quarterbacks and receivers and running backs and all these other people and they basically made playing defense impossible and now guess what now we get 30 40 50 point games a week and it happens every single week. Vince needs to do the same. I'm not saying that he needs to change everything in the WWE formula, but he has to realize the world around him is passing him by and his company by, and he is literally grasping at straws of the past to try and maintain some level of relevancy. What happens when these legends, all these people he's currently relying on, pass away? Because I hate this... Let's 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 just look at something real quick. Alicia Fox is yes. considered a legend. No. No. No, no, no. She is not. 
I don't care what Cameron from the uh, Funkadactyl said. Melina versus Alicia Fox was not a great match. <laughs> I completely forgot about that. Oh, that's such a good. That's such a good fucking uh, tough enough moment. Oh my god! Stone Cold right, looked like, at Stone Cold looked at her like, "What the fuck did you just say?" But yeah, right, like, uh, it's just. And it's not. A, I'm not even disrespecting Melina in that sentence. No, because Melina Melina proved that she could wrestle, yeah. right? But Alicia Fox, for as as entertaining as her character can be, her in ring work is atrocious. She's Billy. Uh, she reminds me of a less inept Billy Kay. Like Billy Kay can actually sort of wrestle, where yeah. Alicia Fox just never figured it out. Yeah, but. And, but it, 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 you know, you're right. And when we go back, uh, you know, or in, in in ten years when we're having the same exact conversation with our right? kids, <laughs> with, right? With it's just going to be, well, who are the legends that are showing up? Yeah, Grand Metalik. <laughs> you know, uh, let's see, Blue Pants. Um, you know. Well, Leva Bates wouldn't be showing up because she'd be going to AW stuff. Right. But that's my, no, my, my, but basically the point of this whole diatribe and us really diving into this is you're starting to see a pattern and me and Charlie, we're starting a counter. This is issue number three for inside the ropes where Vince McMahon has changed absolutely nothing about mainstream WWE wrestling, not NXT. NXT is on its own. We, we will take that and put it in the echelon of where it belongs in the upper category of professional wrestling at the moment. Monday Night Raw, SmackDown, the shows that everybody should be watching every single week because it's the biggest shows on, in professional wrestling history. They have not changed in three episodes since Vince saying that they were going to change. That, that being said, that that is where we stand as a as a podcast as a as a tag team me and Charlie on our thoughts on Vince McMahon Monday Night Raw's booking and the booking for the Royal Rumble coming up as far as the world title picture goes but just so i can clarify one more time so i can say this on the record so in 6 months if i'm right this will be once again another thing that WWE listened to our show for and took from us <laughs> Bill Goldberg beats Drew McIntyre at the Royal Rumble the Fiend beats Randy Orton, gets his redemption to continue that sort of story arc of him redeeming his past tr- losses. He wins the Royal Rumble later on in the night. He goes to WrestleMania and beats Goldberg to catch his redemption for that. And then that book, that booking is long-term booking for either Drew to win the title back at SummerSlam in front of fans or to the very least start a lengthy fall program with The Fiend leading up until whenever fans can come back in front of the WWE superstars. That's my prediction. And if that comes through a true and comes to a head, WWE better stop fucking around and just offer us a writing spot at this point because we'll save the company. That is long-term booking to its finest. With with logical payoffs, the fiend gets his redemption arc to continue beating guys that he has beaten him in the past unfairly or buried him, so to speak. Drew now chases the world title, which he can do. He's great at that. He's super really. He's that's the best role for Drew McIntyre. Is the baby face vying for the title and going against the odds? Once he captures the title, he gets kind of stale pretty quick. I hate to say that, but he does. 
But yeah. and at some point, Seth Rollins has to get back involved in the title picture too. But we'll see. Yeah. So whatever. All right. So that'll wrap up this issue of uh, Inside the Ropes for us. Uh, <laughs> All right. But uh, uh, we had obviously we didn't have a whole lot to talk about. A lot some previews and things like that. But also we, we I think this is probably the first week we've actually dove into the current product and what we're actually really feeling about it. Obviously, I gave you about a fifteen minute diatribe of how much I disdain Bill Goldberg. So if you listen to this, don't be surprised if you never hear me talk in a positive light about that, that man, because I just don't see it. I don't get it. Um, but, uh, obviously tonight we get, uh, two great AW NXT shows. Um, there's actually an MLW show as well going concurrently with them, but that's on YouTube. Um, I'll give that a watch as well. Once I'm done doing what I'm doing, uh, we will be back at it. Um, we haven't really, we we'll, we'll be back at recording tomorrow. We haven't really talked about this. I think we will we'll end up dropping our next issue um, past this inside the ropes or hot off the press for comics on Friday. Um, I think just to keep us kind of on schedule of our Monday, Wednesday, Friday drops. Um, and then obviously next week we will be back on Monday with our inside the ropes issue. Um, and then our normal Wednesday for hot off the press. And then Friday for uh, around the multiverse um, where we'll dive into some, you know, news and things like that. Uh, we'll talk a little bit of rebel stuff and, and whatnot. Cause I'm starting to, you know, roll into that. I'm almost on season one, if I'm not mistaken. Um, so, so what's Clone Wars or Rebels? Cl- Clone Wars. Sorry. Clone okay. Wars. I'm watching Clone Wars and then whenever it's time to pick up rebels, I'll pick up rebels and then we'll go, I'll go from there. But, uh, okay. yeah. So, um, that, like I said, that wraps up Inside the Ropes. Um, if you are not already following us, please give us a follow on all social media platforms at uh, DJI Podcast on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, TikTok. You name it, we got it. Find us on there. Shoot us a message. Shoot us a, a, a like, comment, subscribe, whatever you want to call it. If you're not already subscribed to our podcast, do so through your favorite podcast platforms. Um, we uh, we put out a thing for six months this past week. Um, in six months, we've grown from like 14 unique listeners, probably literally per week, to now we're getting like 30 unique listeners per you know per issue. Um, if we keep seeing growth like that, we'll be uh, we'll be a semi successful podcast probably by 2022. Um, there you go. But uh, we hope you guys are enjoying us. Leave us a review. Let us know what we're doing right, what we're doing wrong, what you want to hear, what you don't want to hear, and we'll make sure we listen to you guys because obviously we want you to tune in and join us for our conversations. Um, anything you want to hit on before we roll, Charlie? Uh, fuck Bill Goldberg. Okay. You know what? Uh, we've been trying to think of some merch stuff, but I think that might be that might be the first shirt we make um, is a fuck Bill Goldberg shirt. Jesus Christ. Brett screwed Brett. Brett screwed Brett. Fuck Bill Goldberg, and then hit our music for at least one of them. I just I just created a whole new merch store. But all right, well send us send us home, Charlie. All right, man. Hit our music. <laughs>